Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. And if you would please stand in honor of God's word. Now hear the reading of God's word. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So ends the reading of God's word, and you may be seated, please. What a crazy church. You know, I, I miss a Sunday, and look what happens. Do you ever feel like you're not in control at all? I always feel that way. You know, I, I have a name for the, the group. I, I know it's Hug, right? Hug and your, your fellow singers are the Huggies. So Hug and the Huggies. <laughs> does, does that work? Probably not. Okay, that's fine. Hey, a couple things here. First of all, there was a golf tournament yesterday, and it's the Sumner Bonnie Lake Ministerial Association Golf Challenge and different churches around the community send teams and we are proud to announce that Sumner Presbyterian Church won it again. So there you go. They're not going to let us participate. We won the first year, we won the second year and maybe the third year. So also we got a card this week from uh, somebody who was in VBS, from a parent, and it said, Dear VBS staff and Sumner Press, thank you so much for providing such a fun and welcoming environment for this summer's Vacation Bible School. Our boys, and I won't give their names since I don't have permission to read this, so woke up each morning excited to go to class and learn about God. I think they will remember this experience for a long time. While our home church is at Northwest and Federal Way, it was wonderful to discover such a warm and inviting church family close to home. Enjoy the rest of the summer. God bless. And they signed it. So good things. Part of the reason we do that is to reach out to others. Part of the reason is to share the gospel with children in the community. And one of the things they didn't, well, they mentioned the food and they mentioned the money, but children accepted Jesus too this week. And, and that is very very important to us. So great job. Um, my goodness, Kara and Cindy, you know, what wonderful children's directors we have. So bless you. Thank you. Yeah, let's give them a hand. I had to laugh this morning when I, I came to church and I got here, oh, five after eight, five or ten after eight, something like that. And Usually when I'm here, there's a bunch of cars in the parking lot because the praise team is here warming up and practicing. And, and when I drove, I didn't see any cars in the parking lot. And I, I thought, do I have the right time? So I, I, I looked at my watch, and 
I thought, okay, it starts at 9, it's 10 after. Yeah, it's the right time. And I thought, do I have the right day? And so I, I checked my watch again, and I have the day on my, my watch. I thought, yes, it's the right day. And now that I've come in, I'm wondering if I still have the right church. This is rather strange for Presbyterian, but I like it. I like us being wild and crazy. Well, don't take that seriously, okay? Just kind of. I, I like that we're alive. I like that we have children. I, I like that we can do things differently. I'm not sure I'm going to like it as much next service when our older generation comes in. And we may want to turn it down just a little bit next service. All right. You know, this morning we moved into 1 Corinthians, and I know we're in Colossians, and I know this isn't Colossians, but, but I, I wanted to pick something that fit in with Vacation Bible School that tied into being a superstar. And as I look out at you, you know, by the world standards, I, I look and I, I don't see any superstars out here. By the world standards, I don't see any presidents here. I don't see any governors. I don't see any super athletes. I, I, you know, I, I just don't see anything that would warrant the title superstar by the world standards. And yet, because of this, we have great potential. Whether you're older, whether you're younger, whether you're just six years of age, you have great potential. And, and let me show you what I mean by that. See, our state is a state of many. And if you looked at verse 26 in this passage, it says, not wise, not powerful, not of noble birth. It doesn't matter that we don't have any presidents or governors or famous actors or actresses or famous athletes or anything like that. That, that doesn't matter. Because God can use all kinds of good people. God can use people who are sold out to him. And, and that's what we teach. That's what we teach from the pulpit. That's what we teach in Vacation Bible School. That we all are superstars. That we all have the potential to be great because of who God is. And because of what God can do. I, I had some friends in a church of mine a number of years ago. And they had on the bumpers of their car the bumper sticker that said, it don't matter. And I always thought, you know, that's very poor English. I don't think I like that. And so I told them that, and you know what they said to me? It don't matter. And, and that was kind of their philosophy. They majored in the majors and didn't care about the rest. It didn't matter. And I kind of like that. And I like it as we come and as we serve God that, that we are majoring in the majors and that is God and the rest, it doesn't matter. The world's standards of what they say is important really does not matter. I mean, look at the people that God used. First of all, there was the disciples. Now, if I was picking a team to go win the world, I'd pick a whole bunch of different people than the disciples. I would pick something with pedigree. I would pick somebody with office, a stature, and yet, my goodness, they picked a tax collector. They picked fishermen. They picked just normal, ordinary people, and yet those were people that God could work with. I mean, take Peter, for instance. We look at Peter and think, oh, Peter, the great apostle, the great disciple Peter, and yet remember, he was the one that was asked to watch while Jesus went to pray. Remember that? When the heart of Jesus was breaking, 
that Peter was asked to pray and a couple of the others and Jesus comes back and they're sleeping. And he says, stay awake, can't you stay awake? And he goes to pray again and he comes back and they're sleeping again. I mean, that's not a winner in my book. You know, there's bad attitude there. There's laziness there. But the exciting thing is that Jesus had selected Peter. And Peter was to become the rock. Oh, but wait a minute. Remember when Jesus was being captured? Who was it that took out his sword and cut off an ear of a servant? It was Peter. For some reason, Peter didn't quite have it up here thinking who God was in Jesus. And so he thought he could take care of things. He would defeat the soldiers. He would defeat the servants that were there. And in all his bravery, he cuts off this ear of a servant. Way to go, Peter. And Jesus still chose him. And then it was Peter, remember, when Jesus was being tried and and before the important people, and, and the woman comes up to him and says, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter says, oh, no, not me. And again, she says, aren't you? And he says, oh, no, not me. Aren't you? Oh, no, I don't even know the guy. Oh, Peter. Peter, what's wrong with you? And yet Jesus chose him. And then it was Peter, remember, when Jesus was crucified. And it was Peter's idea, guys, let's go fishing. You know, come on, Peter. Jesus had called you to greater things than to go fishing. And yet Peter didn't quite have it. I, I, I feel good about Peter. I relate to Peter. Because God calls me to certain things and it's like, yeah, yeah, God, let's go. And then it comes up and it's like, oh, oh. come on, Steve. You feel that way ever? That God calls you to things? That God wants you to be something special? And you just think, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. You know, the exciting thing is none of the disciples had what it took. And yet God used those disciples. Let me give you another illustration out of the Old Testament. King David, a great man, a man after God's own heart. <laughs> yeah, right. And yet that's what it said. Do you remember how this went? Do you remember how David was called to the position that he was called to? The Lord sent Samuel, the prophet, to the house of Jesse. That was David's dad. And because God had chosen the next leader, the king, to come from the house of Jesse. So Samuel goes to this house and he says, Hey, the new king is going to be from your house, from your sons. Well, Jesse was feeling pretty good. In fact, he probably had it all figured out that, okay, it has to be my eldest son because it's always the eldest that got everything worthwhile. And, and probably because, oh yeah, he's the good one, he's the big one, he's the handsome one. Well, it is interesting that when they brought the eldest son, Eliab, out, that Samuel felt the search was over. Hey, this guy looks good. He's the oldest son. He's from the tribe of Jesse here. This has to be it. And he puts him before God, and God says, no. Can't you just see Samuel? What? What? You know, come on. He's the eldest. 
He's from the sons of, the, you know, the family that you said that he was going to be of. This has to be the one. No. So Samuel goes and brings the next one and the next one and the next one. He had seven sons pass before him. And each time, God said, no. It wasn't the ones we would think. They weren't the ones that maybe were the talented ones. It just wasn't right. So Samuel asked the question to Jesse, is this all your sons? And of course, if it was, I wouldn't be telling you this story, but it wasn't. Jesse had David brought in. He was the youngest, and he was out taking care of the sheep. Oh, great, the youngest, and he can't even be with the other sons. He's out doing the, the work out there that nobody wanted. He was taking care of the sheep. And when he brought him before the Lord, the Lord said in verse 12 of this passage, the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for he is the one. And then in verse 13 it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Do you see the tendency here? Do you see that the least was brought forward? That the least was anointed by God and the least was taken into his care and he walked the life with God. You see, that's great because the world says, look on the outside. God says, look on the inside. The world says, pick the people who are best equipped for this. God says, you pick the people who will let me equip them. What a beautiful picture for us. Verse 7 in that Old Testament of 1 Samuel 16 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You see why we were teaching the children about being superstars for God? It isn't because they're great in stature. It isn't because they're the most intelligent. It isn't because they're the best looking, although they probably were the best looking. It's because God can use anybody who is sold out for him. And whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, the passage here, the thought here, the direction here is that we sell out for God and we let God use us. Let me close with a couple of thoughts. And the question has to come, where does that leave us? You know, we still don't have presidents or governors or famous people or any of these people here in this congregation. And yet, there are three things that we have going for us. The first one is we have God's vision. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 tells us that. He sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Not only do we have God's vision, but we have God's spirit. Around here, we call that the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, 13 says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David, from that day forward. And finally, we have God's Son. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that Pastor Mary read to you, He has made us our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. We have His vision. We have God's Spirit. We have God's Son to lead us. So, let me close with a story. This story comes from a book entitled Tell It Like It Is. 
It's a story about a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. Now, Edward Kimball, he was a Sunday school teacher, and one of his students worked at a shoe store. One day, Kimball went to visit him and led him to Christ in the back room as he was putting shoes away on the shelf. The name of that boy was Dwight Moody. While visiting the British Isles, Moody spoke, and this is when he was older, spoke in a small church where a young man named Frederick Brotherton Meyer was the pastor. Moody told an, told an emotional, charged story about a Sunday school teacher he had known in Chicago who had found out that he had very little time left to live and who personally went to each pupil in his class and led every one of them to a saving faith in Christ. Meyer was unmoved by the story. But one of his Sunday school teachers told the story to her class and later reported to Meyer that every one of her students had accepted the Lord. Upon hearing this, Meyer's whole ministry was changed. He went to America and preached many times. In a chapel talk at Furman University, he made the statement, you never, you never test the resources of God till you attempt the impossible. A discouraged young man who was about to drop out of school heard that remark, took new courage, and went on to get his degree. He later became one of the great orators of his time, Robert Greene Lee. On another occasion, a confused young preacher heard Meyer say, if you are not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? This remark changed the whole ministry of the young preacher whose name was J. Willard Chapman. Chapman went on to become one of the most effective evangelists of his time. When he decided to return to the pastorate, he turned his ministry over to a YMCA clerk whom he had been very, uh, who he'd been using as an advance man to set up his crusade. This advance man who had learned to preach by hearing and watching Chapman captured the imagination of the entire country. Hundreds of thousands of people came to know Christ as they heard the preaching of Billy Sunday. In 1924, Billy Sunday conducted a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. And out of those meetings came a group of men, laymen, determined to form a permanent organization to continue witnessing for Christ. These men arranged for another revival crusade in Charlotte and brought in evangelist Mordecai Ham. One evening, there was a 16-year-old boy in the audience who was spellbound by Ham's message and later received Christ. He went off to an obscure Bible college in Florida and then later transferred to Wheaton College where he started his career in the Youth for Christ movement and went on to become a world evangelist minister. His name, Billy Graham. So now the question I have for you, do you remember the first guy's name, where it all began? Edward Kimball a Sunday school teacher, just like maybe you or, or you, or maybe like one of the boys or girls here, will hear something and it will change their life forever. And they, through the strength of God, through the power of God, will change other people's lives and other people will change other people's lives. You see, you don't have to be a superstar by world standards. 
You are a superstar by God's standards. When Christ is a part of who you are, when your whole being is sold out to God, then you can be used. Then I can be used. Then we can be used for him. You're all superstars. And that's what we gave to the children today, the message that they are superstars in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the chance to be a superstar for you. Thank you that you use us, that you make us what we are, that we are special in your sight. Lord, we are superstars. We are superstars. Ah, oh, yes, we are. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have rushers come forward now.